welcome to the Bronova Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Michael, <laughs> yeah, welcome. Hello, Thank you. <laughs> welcome, welcome a second time to well, the podcast. Welcome to the dungeon, <laughs> to the to the recording studio slash messy bedroom where I sometimes do drugs. <laughs> um, no, what I was what I was touching on was like you know I I grew up in a really uh, punk background, you know what I mean? So like my cousin's really into the punk scene. My other cousin is like, has a huge love for music and like introduced me to stuff like the misfits and whatnot. And so just like growing up through all of it, like I kept this real mentality of like, like growing old is mandatory. Growing up is, is optional. Like you can stay with like that childlike jovialness. And I always saw like the professionalism and the like, I'm real prim and proper. I have to be serious. I'm 30. I'm like, Oh, Blow it out your ass. It's the worst. It's so bad. I'm like, I'm going to be like, I'm going to go chase butterflies and pick up a lizard and like, I'm going to crop dust you and like run around and be a moron and play guitar and do art. And like, you only got one shot at this. Why am I going to sit around and be like, oh, what if people don't like me? I'm like, people are always going to not like you. You can't please everyone. You might as well at least please yourself. Yeah, literally and figuratively, right? Yeah, both. That's why they make fleshlights. It's that reason. They're like, you just please yourself. You know, you can you can get them down at the store. They're not that expensive. Change your life. Yeah, I haven't tried that. Um, Stop a mass shooting. Donate a fleshlight. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so the like so punk background because I didn't mm-hmm. like. I guess my exposure to that would have been like you know, like I, I like skated a little bit. When I was a kid, yeah, and you know, like listen to Blink One Eight Two and stuff, but I know that's As very one different. Does, the pop punk resurgence of the nineties, yeah, but that's different. I feel like than like the lifestyle and the embodiment of that. I, I don't know. To me, punk feels anti-establishment. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's dependent. I feel like realistically, what I get out of the scene is like I always tell people they're like, "Oh, well, I wanted to go to a punk show, but I'm scared," and I'm like, "You got to realize is that like." As much as like punks will like puppy guard the front end and be like, this isn't a welcoming scene. I'm like, it's not welcoming to some people, right? Like definitely. I mean, like if you're racist, I would say no, but like screwdriver exists. So like, you know, there is a neo-Nazi punk, but like don't right. get into that. Um, but like generally at the front gate, like what we're puppy guarding is like misogynists, racists, um, like child abusers. We try to keep that out of the scene, but I'm like, you're also being actively welcomed into or you're being welcomed into active violence, right? Like the punk scene is not like, it's a very welcoming and loving and supportive place, but like, it's not in the sense that you're used to. It's not like, oh, you know what I mean? Give us a hug. We all love each other. It's like, I'm going to elbow you in the face in the pit. And then later we're going to get a beer and we're going to laugh. And then we might beat up a dude who tries to touch somebody inappropriately and, uh, you know, we might smoke some pot under a bridge or break into an abandoned house. It's just kind of about being like nomadic. That's always how I viewed it. It's like a really rough nomadic tribe. But all the people I've ever met in the punk scene are like, well, I would say they're really nice people, but that's not true. But I think they're nice. So that's what matters, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the idea of, 
everyone has their flaws and like what are, what am I willing to accept with my group as far as the rough edges? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a come as you are thing and you know people think it's got to be like a like um like an outfit or something. And I mean I have I have my battle vest and whatnot and I like I'll show it to you. I have no idea where it is. It's disappeared for a while, but um you know, I have all that stuff, but at the end of the day, it's like you have people that look like you in the punk scene. I've seen plenty of people that look exactly like you, Thomas, like with glasses, a pocket protector, and I'm like, do not get near that guy in the pit. That guy will fucking murder you. Like, he's here for your soul. Like, I'm going to go get after it with him, but like, you maybe not. Like, right. I'm ready to die. If you value your life, stay away from that guy, because he's here with a pocket protector and a button-up at like a knocked-loose show, and he is throwing the hardest elbows you've ever seen in your life. Um, yeah. So talk to me more about moshing. Like what, I mean, cause this sounds like a central part of the experience. Yeah. Yeah. So from my understanding, moshing is, um, a little bit of punk history. Uh, you know, it's my only area of expertise in life. Uh, not <laughs> true, but I like to say that it's the only one I give myself. Um, so apparently from the, what I've heard, moshing is a terminology that came from, uh, a bad brains concert in the seventies, which is a DC punk band made of like, um, it's an all black DC punk band. I believe they're Rastafarians. Don't quote me on that. Someone might kill me for that one, but, um, really good punk band either way. Uh, super prolific in the DC hardcore scene. And during a concert, the dude has like a heavy accent, their guitar player, I think it is. And, uh, he was trying to tell people to like mash together. And it came out because of like the Jamaican accent is mosh. And so that's where the terminology uh, comes from. There are three main styles I'm familiar with. There's like a push pit. There's a, well, there's four. There's a push pit, which is just like, a, it's fucking chaos. You're going to be shoving people like you're bouncing off of people, right? There's a circle pit where you just run in a circle and shove people. Uh, those are my favorites. There's like two-stepping hardcore pits. So that's closer to like metal um, with bands like Kubla Khan and Knocked Loose, and you're going to be in there doing what's called a two-step, which is basically like a, like a kick. Like, it's almost like a, almost think of like shuffling, if you're familiar, but like kicking your feet out, and you're going to move your body, and just start like wildly swinging like elbows and fists and feet, if you can do spin kicks, and you're going to get hit, and it's just what we all expect. Um, you know what I mean? Like there are plenty of videos you can stumble across of some dude, like thinking it's okay to have a beer in the front of the crowd and turns around and just catches an elbow, right? Like <laughs> beer and all in his face. And you're like, and he's just like, <sighs> and I'm like, that guy's just mad. He lost a beer. Uh, and then there's, there's, uh, there's crush. There's the crush. So the crush you might experience at a concert, um, even not a punk concert. It's pretty, it's pretty prevalent in bigger shows where the crowd will crush forward. I, that one I don't like. Cause that's how people die. Yeah. Um, but there's also the metal community has what's called the wall of death. The wall. I've I seen like the wall of death. Yes. And that's a crush pit. And, you know, I am uh, being the glutton for pain. I am. I'm always the psycho in the middle. That's like, like hit me, crush into me. That's what I want. Like, so yeah. I've, yeah I've, and it's, it's fun. It's fun. The thing of the, the wall one to me, when I looked at those videos, it was this thinking that it's, it seems like only the front line are really taking the damage, right? Oh like, yeah. If you're three well, layers behind, you're not really getting that crushed. So I would, would imagine. Yeah, you would think that, right? But like the first wall is gonna have like the brute hit, and they're gonna fall back. I think the worst place to be is in like the third or the fourth row. Yeah. I think the third or the fourth row, you have everyone from like the seven or eight rows back from you crushing into you and pushing you, and the first four rows falling back into you. Right. You're like you got to be a madman to be in the middle of that. That's the worst place to be. So That'd what, be terrible. 
So what is it like? What do you think it says about human nature that these things exist recreationally? Well, so like in general, like my my love of moshing, right? Like I was always an angry person as a teenager. I got into a lot of fights, lashed out, whatever. And like, you know, punk rock saved my life in that sense, which is something you'll hear in the community a lot of like that ability to mosh and know you're like safe. I mean, like you're not like physically not going to be harmed. Right. But like if you get like fucked up in a pit nine times out of ten someone will pick you up someone will help get you out of the pit they'll get you out of harm's way like people usually at smaller or medium-sized shows don't get crushed you might get stepped on once but like i skinned my knee in a pennywise pit when i was 13 and like the second i hit the ground my glasses flew off my face and like i had like four arms pick me up and then just a hand slam my glasses on my face and throw me back into the pit nice. like i touched the ground for like <laughs> half a second so like the idea is just basically like the music's already like energetic. It's already like kind of like violent in nature. Mm -hmm. It's real fast paced to get your heart rate up. And like, so the motion and the, the letting of aggression is like really cathartic, like in a meaningful yeah. way. Like I always feel way better. Like I can go into a punk show with a bad day and I know I'm going to like hurt people, but I'm not going to hurt people deconstructively. I'm going to hurt other people that are okay with it. And then we get out of it and we're all fine and we're like, we had a great time and I feel way better. And so it's like, I think what it says about society in general is like that there needs to be a release. You know what I mean? Like you can't, like, I think it, I think it honestly shows more sophistication than a lot of people would give it on the outside because they would just go like, oh, it's a bunch of kids running into each other and punching each other and shit. And it's like, no, it's a group of people who are like angry and who decided like, I'm okay with getting hit. Are you okay with getting hit? And they're like, yeah, you're, we're cool with hitting each other. And you're like, yeah. And then you hit each other and you're like, cool. And then I don't hit someone like you that's like, I'm, I'm good because you upset me because I'm naturally angry. And I know that I think it takes a lot of levity to be like, I'm going to go into this situation with a bunch of other like fucking killers, basically. And like, just yeah. have at it because like you know you're going to hardcore shows like you got gangbangers doing security like there's a real intertwine between like the lowest form of society and punk like i was friends with homeless people i've been friends with gangbangers everybody because of this scene and like it's it says a lot that like the bottom bands together for like a catharsis so that we can function as people and we're not just like tearing shit up yeah hell yeah it's I see a lot of parallels to the the rugby I play, but there's not mm. quite the same acknowledgement of like we're all hurt or we're we're all needing a release, mm. and this does it for us. It's more like there is very similar like you know we're gonna go like try to smash each other and we, like there may be a fight, but afterwards we're all socialize and, and be friends. Yeah, but there's idea. not the, there's not the like it still is kind of wrapped up in this. It feels like very like machismo sports environment. Yeah. You know, and not that like direct acknowledgement of like, yeah, like we're all p people who need a release and this is why we do this. Yeah. This is just primal. I, I like fast, loud music and yeah. I want to hit things. And so I'm going <laughs> to do both of those things at the same time. Oh, um, yeah. And yeah, so, man. And no, I'm, I mean, yeah, that, that sport thing as well is like, it's, it's really, it's really arguably super similar, but like way more like, looked fondly yeah. upon yeah, and i think yeah. it's because you guys don't break into house to play sports right yeah that's the like thing. we definitely get into housing developments and like bring a keg <laughs> and we're like the power's still on you want to do a house show and we're like yeah and then we cause property damage uh so you know <laughs> it's like <laughs> right so when you're there and i i also 
am that type of person to where like like I have a joke like my friends like always make fun of me like Tom's the guy who'll like show up with like a homeless person at the party who just met mm-hmm. yeah, really, yeah and like I think there's I think it's like for me it's a mix of seeing the humanity in everyone and actually trying to like just see someone for who they are not how they appear you know mm. and, and you were talking about how society yeah like there's a lot of themes of like discarding or like judgment of like this sanctioned group is okay this other group is dangerous or like you know yeah. don't, don't go there kids like you don't want your kids to do that Un- unwanted stay away from the punks kids they might have you huff airplane glue and have a good time <laughs> oh my god 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 forbid <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe not the first one. They're straight edge people. All right, I want to. I'm not one right, of them, but right. yeah, you know, that's, some people go do that sober, and that's God bless the them. Real hardcore. I feel like if you're doing Dude, that shit, they are dead. They sober, are psychos. That is full psycho. <laughs> Look, I love, I love, I love my straight edge kids, and as I always tell people, and I like the skins too. The skinheads are nice people. You know, um, terminology difference. Uh, a racist skinhead in the punk community we normally call a bonehead. Uh, so skinheads are a working class Rastafarian movement on the onset. It was people that cut off their dreads to like not be considered Rust. It started in Jamaica, uh, and then got its second wind in, uh, England and then came here. Uh, and so skins are usually, usually call them sharps. Uh, right. so skinheads against racial prejudice. Um, anyways. Yeah, no, the straight edge kids are, are psychos. My my only two cents with them is like I'm I'm old, dude. Like if it's an all ages show, I'm going to bring in a beer. Don't beat me up for it. I'm not going to give the kids beer. I'm not going to offer you beer. This is my beer. Yeah, like I okay. I'm not going to share. I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to share. You're not. You came to an all ages show. You could have brought your own beer in. You straight edge kids, stay away from me. I want to drink. You know, I'm. <laughs> I need to get in that pit, and you know, it's like karaoke. I need two beers to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I've read um. Is this book, um, Diary of a Recovering Skinhead? Mm. Um, is this guy? He was in Philly, and then he got his some cousin out in like the country, like middle PA, got him kind of radicalized, and he ended up being a leader of like the Northeast. This is the this would have been a bonehead because they weren't the sharks. Yeah, yeah. They fought okay, the sharks. Yeah. So like in yes, here, yeah, they they get down. And, and then he got yeah. If you ever want to see a gnarly fist fight, that's. Sorry, yeah. anyways, heroin. I interrupted the hell out of you. No, no it's okay. Yeah, so I, I, that's how I'm familiar with that. But, mm. yeah, like, so, so stupid. Like, we, so the thing I've noticed, like, say, like, these, like, the the boneheads or, like, the racist skinheads, is it mm. just, do you think it's true? It's just the in-group idea of, like, I wasn't safe as a kid. I never felt safe. I didn't have a family. These people look like me, they keep me safe, they give me something that I need psychologically oh. and so that I get radicalized. Do you think that's... Yeah, so there's there's a lot to do with the pipeline, actually. We're getting into a really interesting topic, so I, I tend to, just as like a, a background, I tend to try to ingest as much uh, differing viewpoints to my own as I can. So I've read like, um, you know, books by KKK leaders and stuff. I've skimmed through the David Duke book. Uh, you know, I read religious texts. I read stuff that's on my side. Noam Chomsky and stuff is what I normally I consume I see my, just in my general. Kampf over there on your bedside table. Yeah, you don't you wish? Uh, <laughs> you see a McDonald's cup and Lord of the Rings is what you see. That's I'm a fucking nerd. Uh, <laughs> no, I actually haven't gotten around to reading Mein Kampf. I've read the Communist Manifesto a couple of times, but anyways. So this this idea of like radicalization right in a pipeline is like really inrooted. It's the same problem you get in gangs. 
right? You go like, I don't have a family. And these people are like, we'll protect you. And they do that. And it's like, little do you know, you're being fucking manipulated. Like you're being manipulated into being a foot soldier, right? What's the first thing they ask you to do in a gang? Usually it's like fucking kill someone. You don't know. Like, (laughs) bro, I don't need family that bad. Right. And I was raised in an environment that was like my cousins, um, William and Sam are two of 14 brothers. They know none of their brothers. They're all the other 12 brothers are Sereños, and his dad is a high roller in the Sereños gang. So, like, when I was young, it was always taught, like, if you can't stand on your own 10 toes, you don't deserve to stand. Like, you should not have to call for anybody. You don't need anyone looking out for you. Like, you look out for yourself. So I think, like, that radicalization comes from a point of, like, being afraid. And it's like these these gangs and, like, even in some senses the the boneheads are, like, actively harassing these people first off and then are basically like oh hey we won't fuck with you if you join up and i think that like radicalization also has to do a lot with like not exposing yourself to other ideologies right like keeping a closed like right like you know closed minds are the breeding ground for radicalization in either way like and i don't just mean to say this on the right like you can see this with like the super far left to like the communism pipeline like the radical communism pipeline is the same as the right's like fascist pipeline it's like hanging out with a group in an echo chamber not exposing yourself to anything else be like this is close to my ideal so i'll go there or like these people are like me and you go there and then you just get bombarded with this shit and you never go like hmm I wonder, like, maybe there's something else. Maybe I should, like, expand my ideas or, like, at least try to understand what other people think that I don't agree with so I can combat it. And you just get sucked into the pipeline. Religion's the same thing, right? You get that with um, um, Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses, I've talked to them. So I, I try to get all my religious texts from people of the church, and then I will talk to them. And my only agreement with them is, like, I will read your literature if you will read my literature. Now, granted, your boy pulls a little fucking sneaky, and I give him stuff like Atlas Shrugged, or For Whom the Bell Tolls, or, you know, uh, Catcher in the Rye, or How to Kill a Mockingbird. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not being honest. I know, you know, I'll, I'll give them a lot of texts that make them question humanity and, like, what it means to be human and treat others in a way <laughs> So it's like, yeah, you're never going to indoctrinate me. Like, this is what I read, but I'm going to make you read Anne Rind. Like, that's just going to happen. So I think that, I think that pipeline really exists in the sense of like a wanting to belong because we are a social creature, right? Like, we want to fit in. You want to be a part of something, right? Like, if you're completely ostracized, like, that's the worst thing to be as a human being. Totally. So yeah, I think, it's, yeah, it's like I think, I think death, that, right? To not, to mm-hmm, not be yeah. connected. Yeah, absolutely it is. It's it's total isolation. You wonder what's wrong with you. You start to like I was actually listening to your podcast with um oh who's that gentleman a couple of weeks ago? Um Damn it. I want to say it's Rob. Um uh, the Masculinity Action Project guy. Yes. And he, he had said something uh to that line. I mean, granted it's what you know Yoda said too. Uh, you know, fear leads to the dark side and all that. Uh, which I thought was a really good callback. You didn't catch, but I was like, all right, cool. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the point is, is like he has a point. Like when you are ostracized and you have no outlet and you can't talk to people and people can't be like, yeah, chill, that's excessive. Or like, oh, you know, I understand what you're going through. It's like you start you start to turn towards fear. And once you turn towards fear, you turn towards anger. And that's a road I know because that's why I used to fight people all the time. Right. Like I was ostracized by my my dad and like I couldn't 
I couldn't like talk to him or connect with him in a meaningful way. And I didn't feel like I was the son he wanted. So I got, and then like he threatened me. So I was like afraid of him. I was afraid of his scorn and his physicality. And that brewed up his anger. And that started having me just lash out at anyone I could get my hands on. Right. Yep. Like, so yep. I, I think, I think there's a lot to be said about that pipeline. There's a lot of thinking to do in that, that I think, you know, you could do. 150 podcasts about thinking about the human psychology of what makes someone get into not only a gang mentality, but be like radically indoctrinated because most of those racists uh, usually end up getting out of it. And the story is almost always the same. Like when they finally sit down and talk to someone who's not white yeah, and who takes, and who takes the time to be like, Hey, this is bullshit. And if you can, if you can give me 15 minutes, I want to talk to you. Yeah. Like, and someone who doesn't break. call them stupid or anything, who's right. like, hey, you know, it's, I understand why you got here, but this is how you're being lied to. Yeah. That's what Toby said. Like, the, um, I think it was curiosity, not correction kind of mindset of how to break through those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. It seems like the root of it then is child, child, childhood, right? That's like so integral. I had a yeah. I, I had a psychologist on who he does like specifically sex addictions, but the root of it is like the inner children and the inner child model and and like you said about how you know the relationship with your dad and the whole standing standing your ten toes thing. So if you were to have kids, how would you approach raising them? Like, what would you take from your upbringing and what would you change and how you kind of raise them? Yeah. So I mean, this is something I think about a lot. Like, I'm not I'm not super huge on having kids. If the I'm kind of a like a a devil may care about kids. I'm like, if I get someone pregnant and they're like, I'm keeping it. I'm like, all right, well, I'm here for it. And you know, but I'm not trying to get anyone pregnant. Um, In general, I've helped raise a lot of my nieces and nephews. And what we do technically in this like generation of the family, like my cousins included is we are very like hands off. We view the child as like as sacred, right? Like that, that exploration and that wonder in the world. It's like for us, the mysticism of a child is not lost. It's like, you just like, that thing you used to do in your sock, you did that yeah. into a person, and there's another person. Like, that's wild, <laughs> dude. That's fucking crazy. That's a human. That thing's going to grow up and start talking shit. That's what it's going to do. <laughs> that, that thing's going to drive a car one day. That's wild. Like, that and insane. so this understanding that, like, you just kind of, like, basically all you're there to do is be like, nah, let's not play with the chainsaw, all right? Put that down, buddy. Like, that's basically all you're there to do. Like, don't kill yourself, all right? But, like, you know, if they want to dress up like a ninja and shoot Nerf guns or whatever and break some shit, it's like, I can replace all of it. So we're very, like, hands-off in the sense of, like, especially for me, what I would change is, like, I definitely wouldn't hit my kid. I got switched by my grandma, which I don't I don't hold anything against her for that. Mm. You know, she was, she was raised in the 40s, and she raised me the first 12 years of my life. And, like, I understand that, right? Like, I accept her for who she is, and I still love her to death, you know? Um, and it didn't happen frequently, but, like, you know, my dad... Um, I mean, this might be trauma dumping, but whatever. I'm I'm at peace with it. Uh, my dad broke a plastic oar over my head for like rowing, like rafting when I was eight for saying yes, ma'am to him. Like he just smacked me in the face with an oar. Um, yeah, and fuck. so like that kind of violence is like, I don't want to perpetuate that. Right. Like I want to understand yeah. like a kid to me is like, this is a human and it understands me just the same way you would. Right. So like when I sit down and talk to a kid, like all I'm doing is like, okay, like let's work through your feelings. I used to do this with my nephew. Because my my sister has her own issues um, that's not my business to talk about, but it, it manifested in her treating her kids as like, I'm going to spank you every time you act out, right? My nephew would act out and he would go tear up his room and I would go in there and I would let my nephew hit me in the face, punch me, throw stuff at me, right? And I'm like 
19, 20 at the time. And I'm like, okay, like, sure, it gets, it hurts, it hurts when a five pound Nerf gun hits you in the face, but like, I'm not going to take it out on him, right? Like, yeah. he's frustrated. He's lashing out violently, right? He's like the Kraken out of he's the rebounding like, what's been ah <laughs> yeah he's just fucking it up right like he needs some time and i can understand that and so i like let him hit me and he like cools off and he's crying and he's like i'm sorry i shouldn't have done all that i'm like that's fine like let's talk through it where can you accept responsibility in this situation for the actions you did right i'm not saying what your mom did was right but all you're responsible for and this is forgiveness 101 all you're responsible for when something bad happens to you is how it makes you feel because you have to understand that anyone else in that situation that had reacted that way to that person Almost always the same thing would have happened. And if you're trying to heal, you have to say it always would have happened no matter what, right? Granted, in certain situations, if it was a 6'6 dude that was jacked, my sister's not hitting that dude with a sandal. But for the sake of forgiveness, right? whether you're 5 or whether you're 50, no matter how you look, no matter what relation you were to her, in this instance, if you were a child in that area and you had reacted that way, that would have happened to you. So how did it make you feel? And that's what's important to internalize. That's what really like brought me through my healing journey, healed me through my trauma. And like, it's how I've always tried to raise the kids in my life. It's like, let's have that childlike wonder. Let's go explore. Let's go catch fish. Like, let's go down to the creek and like, you know, throw dirt clods at trees and, you know, just get like buck wild, huckleberry fin style, have fun, play in the mud. Like we can clean up later. Like, you know, but when it comes down to like doing stuff, it's like, let's, let's handle our business. If we get it done now, it's done. If you get upset, let's talk about it. Like, let's just work through it. Because I feel like that 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 general understanding of, like, masculinity and being like, you got to be mad and you can't talk about your feelings and we don't cry. I'm like, fuck that, bro. I cry at the end of what dreams may come every single time, like clockwork, when Robin Williams comes into hell to find his wife. I'm like, I am, I'm gr- crying, bro. Like, no, we cry. And I'm, yeah. I'm like the toughest person a lot of people know. And I'm like, I will ball, bro. I'll ball. How's moving castle? I'll cry. I'll Same, cry. Dude. Yeah. I, I was don't at care. My, my buddy Lee's <laughs> wedding and I was crying when he read his vows to his wife, you know, cause it was just so heartfelt and incredible. Like, you know, like so side tangent, but t- I was thinking about weddings. I think like weddings are a celebration of the individuals, right? But it's more a celebration of the love between them. And I think yeah, for everyone also experiencing it like it reminds them of the love they have in their life right that's what i feel like. yeah it gives me like a a, a, a shot in the arm of like mm-hmm. feeling positive about love i guess if that makes sense yeah no definitely dude like life is a life is a fucking beautiful thing man it took me it took me a lot of years of depression and wanting to kill myself to realize that but you know i'm on the other end of it now which is nice awesome. um but it's a fucking beautiful thing you know what i mean like there's some real there's some real wisdom in like you know what I mean? Take some time to like sit in the sunshine and pet your cat. Like sure. that seems like such simple advice, but like I give it to all my like depressed friends or people that are going, I'm like, just go outside and like sit in the flowers for a while and like watch a bird. And they're like, why? And I'm like, cause you're going to realize like all this shit that's built up around you, all the stuff that's making you depressed society. It's all human construct, man. And at the end of the day, you only got one shot at this mug. So like get after it enjoy yourself go go sit in the woods you know what i mean maybe you'll catch a deer drinking out of a pond or something you see some fucking absolutely magical shit like really just just be present in your own life don't get swept up in all the chaos of everything you got to do or like everything you need to be like you are just you you're doing exactly what you need to do you're existing like you know you're the universe experiencing itself my man take take a pause go get a beer smoke a joint sit in the motherfucking woods you know, maybe you could pet a possum. They play dead. I've pet a few. 
They're lovely creatures. They're lovely. <laughs> Give them a grape. They'll be happy when they wake up. They're stressed, you know. Dude, um, but back to your cousin. I think that's amazing, man. I think, like, again, I think about, like, the childhood experiences and how important that is. I think, like, you giving him that release in that moment could have prevented, like, years and years of downstream agony, right? And confusion. Oh, yeah, yeah, my nephew, yeah. He's super respectful now. He's a super easy kid and super chill and, like, you know, it's weird when people see him interact with me because he's, like, one of the only people that, like, he says I love you to. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I foster that relationship. Like, mm. you know what I mean? This kid is, like, just like me. He's got the same, like, he's like me if I talked less and the things that came out of my mouth were dark and cutting when they were funny. Like, that kid is, he will sneak diss you so hard it'll ruin your whole day. Um, But, like, <laughs> su- besides that, like, and he only does it if he loves you. But, like, super respectful kid. Like, I've seen that kid, like, when no one's looking, like, I'll, like, pull into a wa- the Walmart parking lot next to our house. I've seen him walk old ladies across the street. I'm like, I never told him to do that. I just told him to be helpful, right? Because I think he understands that levity from me putting it in him. Let, like, we built everything around us, and we are the change we want to see. Like, you might not be able to affect the entire world, but you're able to affect the world around you in super meaningful ways. Like, just by helping people and being kind and, you know trying to be a little bit respectful to the people that aren't doing anything. You know what I mean? If you're having a bad day, like check yourself. Like if someone's being a jerk, call them out on it. Like just be, be a person that's being active in their own life and trying to not cause harm. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're getting at is waking up. Right. And also like this, the whole thing about like giving a shit about your life and not just accepting the day to day and getting lost you know, I think that's why the whole mindfulness lifestyle, I think, has value because for me, it, whenever I check in as like meditation or breathing, it kind of reminds me like, oh, yeah, like my life is more than just the responsibilities I, and the things I have to check off today. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, in the next like 16 hours or whatever, like and not losing sight of that. enjoying this week's episode of the bro nouveau podcast as much as i enjoyed recording it and bringing it to you following this conversation with our guest i'll be giving my reflections in the conversation what we discussed and what stood out to me most get involved in the conversation find me on instagram at bro nouveau pod or send me an email thomas at bro nouveau.com i'd love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode be sure to subscribe and leave a review enjoy the rest of the show That's yeah. That's awesome to hear you. I completely agree on the expression and not bottling it up. I mean, that's the whole premise of the show is that mm-hmm. it's like so futile, man, to try to just pretend that problems don't exist. And I don't know. I, f- I feel like it may be a generalization, but I feel like kind of what you're saying. Like, there's kind of like two groups of like men, perhaps. It's like the ones who have like kind of gone through that and see the life on the other side and the ones who maybe haven't yet or haven't been exposed to the idea of there's a different way to live or, you know, yeah. haven't opened their mind to it potentially. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's a lot of grappling to do with like toxic masculinity, right? Like I was introduced to that in like 
2015, 2016, and I was like, man, it's bullshit. And then I started looking into it, and I was like, oh, actually, there's some validity in that. Like, that's a lot of, like, what's wrong with dudes. Like, it's just don't, like, dude, just, like, imagine for a second. Like, just just take a second if you're listening in to, like, think of yourself on your deathbed and, like, in your final moments. And not in, like, a bad way, but, like, if you were to reflect back on your life, like, did you tell the people you cared about you loved them enough? Like, were you honest with how you felt? Like, your life is you you will often say your life is too short not to do like the coolest shit ever. I'm gonna go to Spain, like blah, you know, I mean? I'm gonna go to Thailand and go on a ladyboy tear. Like I'm gonna go duning and fucking, you know, the Sahara. I'm gonna go whatever. It's like, did you ever think for a second, like, I'm gonna go tell all my boys that I love them and if they're like gay, you're like, Don't do that. Like I love you. Why would I be here if I didn't? You know what I mean? Like, it took me so long to, like, instill that in my friend group and with my family of, like, I every time I hang up the phone on someone, I'm like, I love you. I do, really. I appreciate your existence. And sometimes I'll be like, yeah, 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 whatever. And I'm like, fucking say it back. Yeah, it's like, Like, no. That's when I let the toxic masculinity take over. I'm like, fucking say it back or we're going to have a problem. They're like, okay, I love you. And I'm like, yeah, I know you do. I'm a miracle. Like, have a good day. (laughs) Don't ever do that to me again. Yeah, dude. I, I, I do it, too. I do it as, like, I'll say it to my friends and like, this is true, but also kind of fuck with them. And so, and like, cause I know the ones that'll be uncomfortable and like, like what you got a problem with love. Yeah. The hell's yeah. wrong with you. Yeah. What the hell's wrong with you? Seriously. <laughs> yeah. You, you can say it to the girl you've been dating for a year and a half, but you can't say it to me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I've known you for 16 years and you can't say it to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did she help you at three in the morning when your tire was flat 50 miles outside of town? Oh, no, that was me. Right, right. If you don't love me, why am I helping you with your tire? Did she like talk you through when you were <laughs> shitting your pants and vomiting at the same time? <laughs> yeah. No, was that, that was oh, that me. was her? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that was me. Oh, oh, okay. But no, 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 no. no. She packed you a lunch one time <laughs> and she pets your hair. What? Like, what? okay, dude. You got, she lets you fuck her? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that, but I didn't want to. Yeah. What? So do I have to fuck you? Is that how I get it? <laughs> do you want some head? Just say that. <laughs> I just want some validation. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. It's the, we- it's the weirdest thing with dudes where they're like, well, I'm not gay. I'm like, you don't have to be gay to love me. You're not in love with me, bro. You're not like, I want to spend the rest of my life with you twirling my fingers through your beard and whispering sweet nothings in your ears. We lay in bed on a Saturday morning and I look in your lovely blue eyes. You're just being like, I love you and I appreciate you as a person. You know what I mean? Like, you're not romancing me, fool. Like, totally cool with making gay jokes with each other. But the second you're like, I love you, they're like, ew. And I'm like, okay, dude, that hurts. First off. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, did I not buy the Metallica concert tickets and provide all your food and beer, and you can't even give me an I love you? This is ain't, you're about to Uber home. That's what's about to happen. Oh, you forgot your wallet? Looks like you're walking. Uh, <laughs> Say it back. <laughs> Dude, that's interesting, though, that you kind of consciously um, introduced that to your family. Was that, like, um, that, that's a leadership quality, right? So is that... Was that a tough thing to do or like, how did you, did you have any self-consciousness around that originally? Um, yeah, I mean like a little dude, you know, I had, I had the fear of rejection that they wouldn't say it back or that I would be ostracized. But like I started it, I guess with my cousin William 
because he was kind of the person that I've, I've talked to a lot about this. And yeah, you know, he's the one that was like, basically, we had a whole conversation about masculinity and what it means to be a man, because there's a lack of trial of manhood in like American culture. And that basically brought me to my viewpoint that like, what makes a man? It's like, well, are you, you know, are you over 25? And do you think you're a man? There you go. You're a man. If you're under 25, <laughs> but above 18, you're a young man. If you're under that, you're a boy, you're a child. 17 is not a man. Uh, like, but you know what I mean? It's like, so he was the first person I started saying it to where I was like, I love you. I really appreciate that. Like you spend your time with me and you talk to me and I feel like you treat me as an equal and you want to like show me things. And I like really look up to you and I like model my life around a lot of what you do. Right. And it was just this like, shot in the dark like i i'm just i'm sick of like every time i look at him and i'm like that's my cousin and i love him and i don't say it i was like oh god like is it gonna go i'm like just do it just do it and he was like i love you too and i was like that felt really nice right and then i started doing it with my other cousin which took some time every time on the phone i love you too all right see you later bro and i was like (laughs) and then after like the fifth or sixth time i was like are you really gonna hang up on me and not say you love me like that cousin that i did that with was the one that named me michael like, oh my, my mom God. wanted to name me something else, like Hunter or Colton, and he was like, don't do that. He's going to get bullied. <laughs> name him Michael. I'm like, you gave me my name, and you're not even going to tell me you love me. You hel- You were the third person to hold me in this world, and you don't love me? And he was like, don't do that. And I was like, say it. Don't, don't like, do I'm it. not getting you're, off the phone. You're the one not doing it, dickhead. <laughs> yeah, I know. And he was like, yeah, and he was like, he was like, fine, I love you. And I was like, no, like you fucking mean it. Like, think of me as a baby until now, the progression of my life. And he's like, I really do love you. He's like, you could be extra sometimes, but I love you. And ever since then, every time on the phone, all right, I love you, brother. I love you too. All right, have a good day. Like, so I always tell people, I'm like, just, just put it out there and like, you know what I mean? Like, if your boys, like, roast you about it or your family roasts you about it, like, just be like, don't do that to me. Don't allow yourself to be disrespected. Like, put yourself out there. And then, like, where what you have to do as not just a man but, like, as a person is, like, not allow yourself to be disrespected. Right? If they're like, well, whatever, bro. You're like, don't, don't invalidate me like that first off. Like, that's really extremely rude for how much we've been through and how much I care about you. Like, I'm here all the time for you. And you can't even tell me you love me. Like, I know yeah. I love you. I got a ton of love for you. So it's like, why can't you tell me that? I love that. And it's dude. important to tell people in your life that. It is. And it's important to, to acknowledge like what they're doing by not saying it back. Because it's like, I think, again, like this whole thing circulates around not being able to verbalize impact and how things land and, and what it does. Because if you just let it go, then they probably would just, like essentially they're... What, it's it's probably not conscious, but essentially they're prioritizing avoiding discomfort over actually mm-hmm. validating the existence, the humanity, the love they have yeah. for someone who's important to them. And that's 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 a bad trade. Like that's not what you want yeah. to do. No, embrace that shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. But dude, I I also think so like the trials of manhood, are you talking about like rituals or kind of rites of passage? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Those? So we'd watch that, that thing about the, the people in the Amazon sticking their like hand in a glove full of bullet ants like three times or like, you know, right. the Spartans kicking their kids out. We had just been reading about that a lot. So we talked about it and like, yeah, there is no trial of manhood. Like really think about it and you could be like, Oh, it's going out and forging your own way. I'm like, I didn't do that till I was 28. So there's not a time for it. Right. We're not Jewish. We didn't, you know, read the, 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 what is it, the Torah text or whatever, have a bat mitzvah, like, right. we don't have a trial of manhood as just American society. 
It's just like whenever you recognize yourself as such, people recognize you. And I think that leads to a lot of longing because like you, you're like, well, am I a man? Am I a good man or whatever? And it's like, well, realistically, homie, that's up to you and the people around you to decide. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, are you a drunk? Do you just come home and do nothing? And like, you know what I mean? Don't spend time with your kids. Don't treat the people around you that you say you love, right? Whether, you know, it's a man or woman in your life, whatever it is, like, are you abusive to the people around you to you loiter your power? Like, cause if the answer to yes to any of those, then probably not. You're probably not a good man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. the only thing I took from my dad that I really internalized is something he said to me that like sticks with me to this day, which is like a man knows when to swallow his pride and admit when he's wrong. My dad said that to me one day, like out of the blue, when we were talking. I can't even remember what the hell we were talking about, or we were talking about something to do with man. So funny. And like, it was just a car conversation on a drive. And he said that with me, and that has stuck in my brain like forever. Like, it's just a man knows when to swallow his pride and admit when he's wrong. And I, and, and like that, and what else he said, which is that like everything that happens to you is your fault. Like, and not in, like, a demeaning way, right? Not, like, mm. everything that happens to you, your fault, your failure. But more, like, you need to look at yourself first before you point the finger at anybody, which is still how I handle every bad situation. Something bad happens to me. I'm, like, how could I have moved different? Where was that situation out of my control? Where was it in my control? How could I have reacted differently? Whether it be, like, you know, something horrible, like getting assaulted or something mundane, like I got into an argument, right? Like, Where could I have moved differently and where did that situation slip from my control? How can I hold on to that and keep it in my control to steer it towards a positive outcome? And like those two things are like my guiding principles in my life. So like while I don't speak to my dad anymore, um, maybe one day, but whatever. Um, I'm in the same boat. Those two things, huh? I'm in the same boat. Yeah. And like it's been eight years for me now. So. Um, one of these days, I promised my girlfriend that when she divorces her ex-husband, I'll try to talk to my dad, but that might be hard. You mean I don't know if he'll talk to me, but no, no, my girlfriend, girlfriend. girlfriend. no, my girlfriend, you promised when your girlfriend divorces her husband, like she broke up with him and then, so they're getting a divorce, but she was on the fence about it. And I was like, if you do that and file it, I'll try to talk to my dad because that's equally like, cause she wants you to talk to your dad. No. Just, she just didn't want to do it. Oh. She was like on the fence about it and was like, it's going to be messy and da, da 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 da. And I was like, if you do this thing you don't want to do, I'll do a thing I also don't oh, want to do. Okay, I got you. Which is one of my favorite bargaining chips is I'm like, you know, I hate myself, so I'll put myself through a ton of stuff. <laughs> Not, I mean, like, not really, but you know what I mean, right? Like, I'll put myself through punishment. If it'll get you to do something positive, yeah. I'll do something equally hard to meet it. But like, you know, it's those are the two things that stuck with me. And like, again, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat them, you know, is that like, the things that happen to you are your fault are like you have to accept responsibility for the things that happen to you. It's no one else's fault. Like, which is take responsibility of a situation, take responsibility of, and like accountability for everything you did wrong until that situation was out of your hand. When did your partner start screaming? That's when that situation got out of your hands. Like you did something up to that point that let it and like, don't, don't feel bad about it, but be critical of it. Like, what did I say? What did I do? Did I say something that I knew was going to be hurtful just to be like, I'm going to get a giant in on this person. Like be, be conscious of that and correct course later. Right. Cause you can't change the past. You already did that shit. It was a whole car accident. Like it was bad. You know, it was black ice on a Texas road, FedEx trucks crashing into each other, family of five dead, like terrible. The worst thing you've ever seen. Right. Like, not good. 
don't look at it. It's not, you can't look back and be like, what could I have done? No, you can't do anything. It's on fire now, actually. Just leave. Just leave. Think about it up until that point. Don't look at it again, though. That's bad. Right. And, like, you know, like, like accept that responsibility and also, like, like, swallow your pride and know when you're wrong. Because it takes a lot of self-courage to be like, ah, oh, dude, like, you could be like, oh, I fucked up. But, like, to go apologize and look someone in the eyes and be like, hey, like, when I said that thing about you, like, you know, I, like, I was feeling like you didn't care about me and I wanted to hurt you and that was really inappropriate and there was, like, no, there was no, like, universe where that was the acceptable thing to say to you no matter how I was feeling. You know, it was short-sighted, it was juvenile, and it wasn't, it wasn't appropriate. And on top of that, just as, like, a, a, a caveat to all that, you should also, like, also, anytime you're in a conversation with someone or an argument and it gets heated, I think the other thing that is my guiding light is like if if there was a tape recorder in this room and you had to play that tape back of what you just said in front of you and all the people you care about that you hold yourself to, would you be proud of what you said? Would that be an accurate representation of who you are or who you want to become as a person? Because if it's not like, boy, you shouldn't have said it. Like, really be cognizant of what comes out of your mouth. And that's from someone yeah. who says some, like, horrifically borderline <laughs> fucked up shit. And I'm telling you, like, this doesn't matter. This is bullshitting, right? I could say, like, damn near anything without crossing some social lines. And people are like, ah, oh, that guy's kind of weird, right? But, like, in an interpersonal conversation, if we're having a real conversation, I'm going to knuckle down and be like, you know, here are the things I'm expecting. Here's, oh, and talking I feels. Never accuse people. That's the other thing. Never, yeah, never Never fucking accuse people. Never be like, you're belittling me. Don't do that because that makes people get defensive. Go, when you speak to me like that, I feel like you're belittling me as a human being because that then makes your emotions known. As a communication tool, those two, imperative. So just like, you know, take take responsibility for your own actions. Like, um, you know, swallow your pride and admit when you're wrong, when you know you're wrong. Right. If you really feel like you're right, don't. But like if later you're like, ah, fucked up, swallow your pride. <laughs> right. View every conversation that you're going to have like it's going to be replayed to you and your loved ones in a room like of all people you care about and respect and don't want to be portrayed in a negative light and make sure it would be something that you're like, yeah, that represents me. And like always talk and I feels those are like some of the most important communicators. And like those are really going to be the things that when people look at you, they're like. You know, at your eulogy, they're going to be like, this dude was a fucking solid dude. Like, he really, really cared about people and really cared about, like, how he presented himself. Regardless of all the other stuff about, you know, whatever jokes you make or whatever or how, like, stupid you are in general. Like, I'm an idiot. People love me. Uh, but, like, you know, um, those are the things that people are going to come to you like. That's when you're going to be the person your friend comes to when they're suicidal. You just doing that when shit gets serious and knuckling down and being like, oh, this isn't a joke. I need to be serious and doing stuff like that and like trying to work through problems and talk with people and like be there and be cognizant and be present in conversations when they matter. Like you're you you will eventually be the person that might save someone's life that you care about. And like that's super important. Also, people more willing to listen to your problems. And that's always a good thing because you always need a sounding board. Even if you're the rock in your life and you you uh, you feel good about that and you want to be the rock in people's lives, like you know, not Dwayne Johnson, but you know, yeah, I was say, um, <laughs> yeah, the sea can crash into you name. when you're unmoving. What a fucking um, name. yeah, yeah, rock. rock the Dwayne Johnson. 
Um, <laughs> I always say it wrong on purpose. But like, those are going to be the qualities that like people do that, right? Like, try to live a good life, man. You know what I mean? Try to. You want motherfuckers to be like this dude with shit, and I'm I'm really mad. Totally. We have to put him in the ground at your funeral. That's totally, what you dude. want. I want to have a banging funeral. It's going to be a fucking party. Yeah, I wanna. I want my body to be ejected out of my casket, <laughs> like with confetti, and I want to put. I want to put the youngest child of the family in front of the coffin, so my corpse just falls on them, and they get trauma, and maybe, just maybe, they'll turn out as good as me. Just one real traumatic event to just really solidify it of like a life or death moment. <laughs> Not really, but you know, I'd prefer to be shot into the ocean. Uh, That'd be sick. That yeah. would be tight. Like a clown at a circus. There he goes. Bye, Grandpa. Naked, too. One last hurrah. Yeah, scar at least one person before you go out. You know, unintentionally. God, yeah. Just fly over a nice wedding and you're just old man wiener. Is like, just like it's saggy balls. Dead body. Slapping, <laughs> saggy balls in someone's wedding photo. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck that was, but it ruined our wedding picture. And you could just go, you can go greatly into that abyss knowing that you technically didn't hurt anybody, but you definitely did kind of shit on somebody's birthday cake. <laughs> Take a little Schoidenfrata, you know what I mean? A little joy in someone else's misery. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kendall hit me with one of those just yesterday because we've been both like very stressed out. You know, I'm working nights, we're fucking overseas, like off schedule. The Philippines, yeah, in the Philippines and shit. And so there's a lot of stress. And her sister came for a visit when I was out of town, and Kendall was basically like, "Yeah, like once she came." Her sister once once they were hanging out, Kendall was just like offloading all this stuff and like yeah, and she was like basically told me that because I've been so stressed, I haven't been able to be the sounding board for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and that was a big like wake up call for me, you know, because mm-hmm. as a man, as her man, right, as her partner, like I never want my problems, my selfishness, basically, to be so overwhelming that. I can't fulfill my responsibilities as her partner who, you know, helps each other get through life. Right. So that was yeah. a big, that was a big ego. That was kind of an ego hit in some ways, you know, cause I'm yeah, like, of course oh, like, I had this idea of like who I am and the partner I am and stuff. And then she was like, yeah, nah, and I was like, fuck, you should do, you should do mushrooms about it. <laughs> yeah. That's honestly, you know, I don't know if it's, is yeah. it a death sentence in the Philippines? I'm probably sure. Maybe wait yeah. till you get back over here. Yeah, do mushrooms about it when you get back over. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, like that's that's a huge thing too that I see with a lot of my friends as well of like the the idea of not being introspective about your relationship. It's like, bro, you forged a pact with another human being. You're like, I'm here, bro. Like I I enjoy existing with you. You benefit my existence, and like you have to be like cognizant of that and be like, you know, you're gonna be a sounding board for each other, and that's the kind of building is like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna have to get on your shoulders every once in a while and scramble. And you're going to get on mine and scramble and, you know, every once in a while we'll be able to climb together. And like, I think that's, I think that's really important is like understanding that like, oh shit, I'm, I'm super stressed. I need, I need some time. Like to be able to have that cognition and be like, dude, I I had to do that with my partner recently. I was like, you know, I'm stressed with all this work stuff and school and like, you're stressed about going back to school. And I'm like, I just, I had to cancel our Saturday. I was like, no, it's normally Wednesday and Saturday because we're so busy. This is the only times we can see each other. And I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going to sit out on the Saturday. Cause like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to develop animosity and like, it's not because of you. It's because of me. It's because I'm stressed and I'm not giving myself time 
And like what I ended up doing was I, I still went that weekend. I just took a Monday off of work and I was like, I'm giving myself like, I think it's really important to look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and like take a day off and be like, you have full creative control to relax. Mm. Like, dude, nothing needs to get done today. You don't need to do anything. Laundry doesn't matter. If you feel like doing it, do it. Don't feel obligated. Anything you feel obligated to do, push it to the side. Guilt-free day. Like, today is your day to relax and chill. And, bro, I didn't do anything. I sat around and played Stardew Valley and drank beer. And I went out and got hamburgers, you know, walked down to the local Jack in the Box. Nice. And, like, watched a movie. And I just did nothing. And I was like, I feel great. So I think, like, especially when, like, stress takes hold of you like that, like, it's really important to, like, check back in with yourself and be like, hey, buddy, how you doing, champ? Like, you, you cool? Or, you know, are we feeling a little, ah, you know, like, you feel yeah. a little, you suicidal? <laughs> right, right? Like, well, you got to pump the brakes a little bit. You're doing, you're doing 90 in a school zone right now, buddy. Let's pull it over and uh, look at a flower. That rock let's, wall's let's, looking real good. Yeah, let's bring it back in. Let's not drive into the brick wall and instead turn into this park and go on a nice walk and just allow yourself time to, like, leave your baggage at the door, man. You know what I mean? And, like, that's, yeah, yeah, no. And that's really, you know, that's really good that you're in a relationship where, like, that kind of communication can be had. But, like, you have to foster it because communication is king, both in interpersonal relationships, romantic relationships, business relationships, anything. Like, communicating and communicating honestly is, like, one of the most important things you can do. Because without it, like, dude, your word is your bond. Like, I know, like, a lot of people have heard that as a joke over the years. Like, my word is my bond. But, like, actually, like, I was raised in an environment where it's like your your word is all you have. You can accrue money and lose money. You can get a car and give people rides and lose the car. You know what I mean? You could do all this shit in your life. At the end of the day, all you have is your word to stand on. And if your word's not good, what good are you? Like no one can trust you if you're lying to people, if you're if you're not being honest with how you feel like those are the same thing. I think that's that's an important takeaway, too, is like me being like, you know, uh, like uh, let's get an extreme example. OK, like if if you were to, you know, cheat on your partner and you're like, no, I didn't cheat on you. For me, that's as bad as being like, hey, I'll be there at seven and me never showing up. Those are the same in my book because I'm lying to you either way. Right. If I hit you at 730 and I'm like, my bad, I got ADHD. I totally forgot. Like, super sorry. Like, I'll pay for an Uber. Like, well, I'll try to make it right. Right. But that's still mm-hmm. me going on my word and being like, I'll handle this. But like any any slight in your personal life, whether it be romantically or intrapersonally with your friends or, you know, with your boss or whatever, when you say you're going to do something like stand on that, because at the end of the day, that's what people are going to expect out of you. If you can be reliable in that sense of like, I don't like overpromise. Don't do that. That's just as bad, too. But like be like. Yeah, I'll try to be there at 3. I don't know barring traffic, but I'm really going to try my best. And if I can't, I'm going to call you at 3.05 and tell you I can't be there. Right? Like, And then 3.05 comes and you're there or you call them at like 2.55 and you're like, hey, I hit traffic. I'm going to be there at 3.10. You know what I mean? Like, But just always give people that honesty because at the end of the day, like, it, it sounds stupid because people have heard it so much. But like honesty is the best policy is like another thing I live my life by is like just be honest. Like whatever you thought was going to happen by you being honest. Whatever you're about to do to not hit that outcome is going to be way worse than whatever the hell you were going to experience. Oh, someone's going to be upset with you? Let them be upset. Because later when they're not upset, they're going to be like, thank you for being honest with me. That's thank what you're you for not get. bullshitting me. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's very good that she she called you out on that and noticed it. And that gives you time also to be introspective and be like, oh, shit, because that's what a good partner does or even a good friend. It's like, 
I've noticed you've been stressed lately. Like, what the fuck is going on, dude? And like, sometimes that's all you need to be like, have I been? And you're like, oh, what the, when did all this shit get here? Right? You're like, where did that come from? I didn't even notice that. They're like, it's been there the whole time, dude. You've just been throwing more stuff on it. And you're like, I have? (laughs) That's like two and a half stories of shit. And they're like, yeah. Why are you carrying that? And you're like, like, I don't know. I'm going to take a day and get rid of that. Like, (laughs) God damn. That's a lot of stuff. Like, yeah. I I think it's important. Communication is king, man. And being able to be honest with people is really what's, what's super important. Totally. That's that's what actually struck me uh, to not to not drag on, you know. But that's what actually struck me from that. Um, I listened to that one with that that uh, German lady you had done the communications oh, yeah. person, and she was talking about masculine and feminine um, communication styles. And I was like, oh, this is super interesting. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess dudes do like, you know, now da da da, no questions. And it's like, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, that's not a very introspective point of view, right? That's an outrospective point of view. Whereas, like, women with questioning is, like, way more introspective. And I was raised by women. Like, I grew up in a house of 14 people. And, like, out of that 14, 10 of them were women. And so it's, like, you know, there's a lot of thinking about what you did. And, like, I'm disappointed in how you acted. And, like, you know, why would you do that? And, like, asking those questions. And I guess that just internalized of, like, don't just always think you're, like, you're you're martyred or you're correct all the time. Or, like, you know. It's just like sometimes think like if you're if you're like, oh, man, I'm, I'm I'm bugging right now. I'm like depressed or like I'm angry, like stop whatever you're doing. Go outside, sit down for a second and go, OK, Michael, why are we angry? Like, just ask yourself that question and think about it. Give yourself five or ten minutes. If someone comes out, bother you. You'd be like, not right now, please. I'm just I'm, I need to think for a minute. Like, just give me five and like be respectful and like really think and be like, oh, dude, shit, that guy cut me off in the morning. And like that pissed me off for the day. And you're like, OK. That's good. That's why you're upset right now. You're holding on to that. Why are you holding on to that? Any other day, you would have been like, my guy's kind of a dick, whatever. Like, what happened? And you're like, um, well, I don't know. I was late on my report. And you're like, okay. Is that enough to make you mad for this long? And you're like, no. If I had missed a report, I'd have just sent him an email. And I did. So what was it before that? Oh, I got I got yelled at for something. I wasn't doing good at work. Da-da-da-da-da. And you're like, oh, God. Like, I just have all the stress I need to work through, like, because realistically, at the end of the day, not communicating like that is like, I think the main reason like dudes end up taking their own life is they just feel like there's no introspection. They don't know what's wrong and they have no one to bounce ideas off of. So it's like, start to be that person for people in your life and people will start to be that person for you. People love mirroring people they look up to or respect and like you will create like little pockets of you and other people. The best things you can do fake it till you make it that's what my grandma said like if you can't like really if you don't know how to do it just start doing it because if everyone else also doesn't know how to do it you starting doing it will make people start doing it and you might learn something along the way and then before you know it two years down the line you and four of your boys are like hey man i'm having trouble in my marriage like you know like i'm just not i'm not able to communicate and i've got like all this stuff and like everything seems to blow up to an argument one of your boys is like you know it seems like you you guys have built a lot of animosity towards each other maybe you should go to couples therapy or talk about what what things bother you with each other without yelling like a safe space write down a journal or something you'll get all this stuff i've had that happen countless times where i'll talk to my boys and they will say something that like i had never heard about like just some way to communicate newly with someone and repair a relationship because it's so easy to destroy things. It's so hard to keep them in good knack, but it does take effort. 
Like it really, really takes effort on both on both and all parties to keep a bridge up. Yeah, but and I it's think worth the work. It's so true though that people reciprocate, and it's it's subconscious. You know, like the the patterns of mutual goodwill, mutual trust, mutual support. That stuff just happens naturally. You know, I think like we were talking yeah. about social beings, like that just the goodness comes out in each other and, and kind of gravitates towards each other. Um, yeah, absolutely. You, you yeah. spread positivity, positivity will always come back to you. Hell yeah, dude. Wow. Not always. Michael. Sometimes shit, shit comes to you, but yeah. you know, that's the way it is. That's you know, like right. Forrest Gump said, shit happens. <laughs> dude. <laughs> You fucking legend. Thank you for a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you so much for having me. All right. I'll do top three book recommendations for the for the audience. Ooh, okay. Uh, number one's The Hobbit. Uh, out of the gate, yeah, The Hobbit. Yeah. Uh, read it every year. Worship it. Treat it like the Bible. <laughs> um, number two, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Really good look at humanity oh, I read that and one the too. connection of humanity. Fantastic book. Um, number three. I am going to give you two. I will give you I will give you To Kill a Mockingbird if you haven't read it in high school read it. And if you have read it, um then I will recommend Hmm. I'm going to recommend my favorite Stephen King book which is Desperation. I've never read any Stephen King. I love Stephen King. Okay, nice. Yeah. Nice, dude. And then I know you have gaming in the past. Do you have any other platforms right now? Any like live stuff people who are interested can go check out? Um, No, not necessarily. I go, really. I go, yeah, no. I, um, you know, I shit post on Twitter and that's about it. And, you know, if I ever <laughs> decide to get back into the get into the scene i'll 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 try to do it but other than that man you know uh catch me catch me in the streets of san jose hell yeah uh, dude you know come, come say hi be a dude buy me a beer i'll sit in a park with you and talk about life yeah <laughs> a cheap one cheap beer tall can of paps dollar fifty i'm not an expensive date yeah not bougie i buy my own expensive beer hell yeah bro thanks man <laughs> thank you so much all right everybody hope you enjoyed that one I sure did. I was laughing my head off. I hope you hope you did too. And um uh, hope you were able to gain some insights or have some reflections. I, I certainly uh think this is actually one of my favorite episodes I've ever done because it's so I think it's so true to the mission of the podcast, which is to model healthy communication for men. And that was that whole conversation, I think, kind of being honest. Humor, reflection, insight, and also um just really honesty, like a naked look at our strengths and weaknesses right and and how we can show up better for the people we love and also just caring and and not just going blah through life but actually enjoying it and realizing it's a finite opportunity we have so big thank you to michael thank you all for coming along and we'll see you next friday for next week's episode of the bro nouveau podcast and Send this one along to your friends. I think this would be an episode that resonates with a lot of guys. So if you have some guys in your life who could use this kind of message, get it over to them. Thanks.